Hello and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Blum, episode number 390. Woo, getting up there. Uh, episode 400, 10 episodes away. Uh, so that's actually a couple months, but uh, still, it's interesting to think about. 400. Woo, that's, uh, that's, a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of episodes. Uh, well, today what we're going to be doing is I started this a couple of weeks ago on a previous episode. I talked about making a casting of the Rocketeer game piece and uh, using that to uh, sort of make a tiny little Hero Clicks figure. If you don't know Hero Clicks, it's this game that has these little miniatures. They're really small and they have little clickable stats, I guess you could say. I'm not really sure what they are. I, I don't play the game don't really understand it, but I found a figure that is a flying character, and he kind of looks like the Rocketeer. I think it's an old DC character called Techno-Rat, Technocrat, something like that. I don't know anything about him, but uh, he's a, he's got a cool costume, and he flies. And Or I'm assuming it's a he. I don't know. I think it's, it looks the body physique and stuff like that. It looks like a he, so I'm guessing it's a he or a robot. I don't know. But um, they, this character has these like shoulder pads and the original Dave Stevens Rocketeer shoulder pads, set of shoulder pads. Uh, he's got the, the, his boots and stuff like that. He has a body position that makes him look like he's flying. So, yeah. So what I ended up doing was there's a, a game piece that comes with a Rocketeer board game that's about the same size. And I wanted to see if I could make a casting of this, first of all. And also... I wanted to see if I could make that part of it into, or the, the like the rocket pack and maybe the helmet, I could sort of sort of kitbash that into this little figure and make a little Rocketeer hero clicks kind of figure. So we're going to be talking about that. And then we're going to be talking about what I did last week, which is a sculpt along, which is making, again, more Rocketeer figures that are, they're, they're bigger. Um, they're like to... How big are those? Two and a half inches tall, something like that. Yeah, they're uh well no, they're two inches tall. <laughs> yeah, they're two inches tall. This one is um uh it's actually about the same size, I think. Well, the figure itself is about an inch and a half, but the uh the scale is much smaller. That's we're gonna be doing that. So today is another like a Hoderman episode. the Rocketeer. So I I thought that uh, I'd give you an update on what I did last time. Last time we were making, I was sculpting a figure of the Rocketeer that was, uh, it was a character of the Flash. And there's, it's a, a little, a, a line of DC figures that are made of sort of soft plastic and they have arms that move at the shoulder joint. They have hips that move at the waist joint, but the legs themselves don't move like at the, well, the hips don't really move. It's just the waist does. It swivels side to side. The The hips and the knees and ankles do not. And then the, uh, the head moves, it swivels back and forth. And I thought that if I added some clay to it, then I could make a Rocketeer figure, and I did. And then what I did was I figured 
well, what happens if I tried casting those parts? Because I have all the parts together and they're not, uh, they're not connected. So I could cast them. And I did. I did make little castings of them. I did what's called a cup mold, which is basically you take the pieces and you put them in a little cup. And so if you ever, if you drink coffee or hot chocolate or tea or something like that, there are these machines called Keurigs and they make like one cup basically of hot chocolate or coffee or something like that. And uh, I decided that I would use those. So what you do is you put the piece that you want to make the mold of in the bottom of it and you use something like tape or like a wall hanging putty to secure the piece to the um, to the bottom and then you basically pour the silicone over it. So you have to plan out a little bit uh, if it's a complicated piece how the airflow is going to go in and all that kind of stuff. You have to leave air vents, blah blah blah. But suffice to say, you can actually make some pretty sophisticated stuff just with that technique. So it's a, it's basically a one-piece mold. And then what you do is that when it has dried, when the, when the mold is cured, the silicone is cured, you actually cut down the side. And you cut down both of the sides, but you leave the bottom intact. And then that bottom part is going to actually be the pore spout, uh, the, the area that you're going to actually pour the resin in. So you have to, you basically structure the mold so you leave a little space for that. But then uh, the other part of it, the part that's around it, surrounding it, that actually is going to be the um, the rest of the mold. And so the uh, this may be hard to understand if you've not seen it, but basically you have a cup, you have the piece in there, you're pouring the silicone on top of it. The pour part, which will actually be sort of the top of the mold is actually on the bottom in the actual in the actual cup, and then the bottom uh, of the of what will actually be the the mold will actually be the top of the cup, and that's the part that is sort of functions like a hinge. So you basically open it up, you you can extract your part, uh, and you pull you you know you pull it out. So it's um you can actually make pretty complicated stuff. Really, you really can with that particular technique. It's not necessarily, uh, you can do a two-piece mold, which I've done for many things. Although for little parts, I gotta say that this, this particular technique works pretty well a lot of the time. So that worked pretty well, I would say, for many of the parts. The head, the torso, the arms and legs. There were a few issues, uh, as there always are, I would say one of the one of the things that I didn't allow for in some of them is that I I didn't anticipate some of the areas that would not fill. Whenever you make a mold, there's always going to be some areas that inevitably you have to plan for air to escape from. And if you don't quite plan that out, if you don't anticipate that, then your mold will not will be sufficient. You're, you're casting, the resin part will be missing some parts because of air bubbles and stuff like that. Now, there's ways to mitigate that basically by leaving air vents. If you look at uh, sculptures that were done in you know places like Italy and so forth, you'll see there's air vents to uh, accommodate this. And uh, the same has to be true for these guys. So I had to adjust that later on. Now, the good thing is that actually if the mold does not fill, that is not fatal at all because there will be most of it that fills in many cases. And then what you can do is the part that didn't fill, 
you can actually do a part two. So you basically, again, get, get all your resin ready, and then you put the piece back in the mold, but you put a little bit of liquid resin in the part that didn't fill. And then you put the whole thing back in, and the two, two, the liquid resin will adhere to the solid resin, and you'll basically complete the part. And that'll generally work for especially a lot of little parts, like there's a little corner or something that didn't fill, or a peg or something like that. That usually works pretty well, I've found. Not always 100%, but in a lot of cases, you can actually finish something in two or three parts that just didn't quite work the first time around. So I've, I've used that a lot with these parts that don't fill entirely. Uh, I actually just am uh, putting the finishing touches on a few of those parts. So I have a whole bunch of these little parts uh, around. I have three completed Rocketeer figures. Uh, they're in various colors. One is clear, like translucent, which is pretty cool. That was the first one I did. And then I have a light blue translucent one and a darker blue, like a navy blue translucent one. So I'm using a kind of resin called uh, Smoothcast 45D. I originally got this, it's made by the company Smooth On, and I am using, I used a harder one, 65D, for the figures, most of the figures that I've done. The 45D is, is a lot squishier. It is, uh, in some cases I found it just to be too soft, but I think for this kind of figure, which is meant to be squishy, I think it ends up being perfect. So, I thought that uh, I would talk a little bit more about that whole process because uh, that one, I I didn't anticipate, I thought this would just be a one and done kind of thing. I didn't really anticipate I would make these little miniature Rocketeer figures. And I'm not entirely sure what to do with them. I have a, a couple of them. Some of the parts that didn't fill entirely, I'm able to correct. And so I'll have a handful of them by the time it's all done. And I... I think they're kind of cool. I don't know what to do with them. Uh, it's just been fun to make them. So uh, I, the original one I might paint. Uh, some of these others I might paint a little bit. I might add some silver accents to like say the lenses or the buttons on the vest or the rocket pack or something like that and just leave them as translucent, you know, in the form that they are. I think that actually is pretty cool. If you look very closely, you can see bubbles and things like that. Uh, they, if you hold them up to the light, you can see some bubbles in them. They, I, you, you need uh, something called a pressure pot to get all those bubbles out in many cases, which I don't have, meaning like high pressure to uh, get those um, to, to, to get those bubbles out of the uh, out of the mold or out of the uh, well, yeah, out of the mold, and so so the resin will look will really look clear by the time it comes out. But you can't really tell too much. Um, I, th I think it actually kind of looks cool. I actually kind of like the bubbles in there um, because they are really small. They're sort of hard to see. And the translucent effect, I think, works pretty well. So I have a handful of those. One thing that came out of this is that I did make a mold of the Rocketeer game piece, as I mentioned before. This is a really complicated thing to make. As I mentioned in the previous episode where I was talking about it, I had one, two, three, four, wait, yeah, one, two, three, four air vents basically planned for this thing. And it pretty much all worked. I was surprised. 
It's also a really awkward one just because of the way the figure is positioned. You ideally want something that is basically sort of one solid piece without a lot of protrusions. This has protrusions all over the place. There's one knee that's flexed. Both arms are at this, they're sort of flexed, but at the sides. It's not just sort of held at, sometimes if you see someone flying like the Rocketeer, he'll, his arms will basically be adhering to his, um, his torso or his legs, just like a bullet. Uh, but here they're, they're held out and uh, kind of like he's, you know, mashing down on the ignition buttons on both sides. And then the, the plumes of fire and smoke are sort of behind him. And then the little fin, of course, is that I, I was almost positive that would not work, but it did. And uh, so I have a handful of these that uh, worked quite well. I'll take a picture of a few of them and uh, post them here. I, I, so I I thought that that was just cool just to have that. Uh, and so what I ended up doing was for this particular project with the Heroclix figure, I ended up cutting out the head of one of the figures. And then I ended up cutting out the rocket pack, the Cirrus X3, and some of the plume of smoke. So what I'm going to do is actually going to put, uh, exchange the head of there, uh, the, the one that I cut out uh, for the one that's on there. I think it should be an even one-to-one -one switch. I'll have to figure out how to secure it. I might use a little pin, I think, to kind of make it so that it goes in a little bit easier and it does it's less fragile. And then I will uh, adhere the rocket pack to the back. Um, so what I ended up doing is just doing a little bit of sculpting, a little bit of clay to the figure that I mentioned, this technocrat figure um, on his arms and his chest and his legs, just like I did last time. Uh, fairly similar to make um, a costume that looks fairly similar to the Rocketeer. So I'm, I'm actually now just letting that dry I used a little Vaseline, just like I talked about last week, to kind of smooth it over. And once that dries, uh, I'll be able to sand it down and then paint it uh, once I've adhered uh, or uh, attached the pieces onto it. And so uh, just a quick little episode today. It's kind of an update. I'll, this, is, this one is mostly pictures, so I'll just take some pictures and kind of show some of these updates. I, this, these just came in the mail. You can see in the, here in the background, I've got some... Some pieces, some crinkly bits, and this is actually holding a bunch of. I, I think they're soldiers uh, for maybe Call of Duty or something like that, but they're uh, Mega Constructs figures, and they don't have heads, but they're the bodies, and they'd be perfect for making little Rocketeer figures. Um, I also have some, some more uh, to make um, some more Imperial Rangers in the Thirteenth Hour, so all to come in the future. Um, and it's a very similar size scale to these. That's why I wanted to experiment with these first. So stay tuned for more and thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a couple last minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website 13thhr.wordpress.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind the scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. 
and it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, That's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.